In this week's episode of Farmer's Inside Track, we're connecting with 30-year-old Northwest farmer Tumisang Ben Matsoho. He runs two farming businesses and he's completing his PhD in animal science. Back in our agripreneurship slot this week is the head of agribusiness at Standard Bank, Nike Grunewald, who talks about the influence emerging technologies can have on the agricultural sector. Chef Tharwat Lont shares his secret to a perfect home-cooked South African meal in our Mzanzi flavor segment. You'll also be empowered with a top tip from nutritionist Andrea Duplessis. And on top of our reading list this week is a book titled and for all these reasons, I'm in Essential Advice for Entrepreneurs by the original cast of Shark Tank South Africa judges Gil Ovid, Lebo Gunguluza, Polo Leteka, Vinnie Lingham and Vusi Tembekwayo. And you don't want to miss our weekly AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Market with agri-economist Dr. Johnny van der Merwe. He highlights the latest price movements and expectations for the coming week. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food for Mzansi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey Mzansi, welcome to episode 49 of Food for Mzansi's weekly podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I'm your host Dawn Numdu and you're listening to South Africa's leading farmers podcast. And I'm Duncan Masua, and we kick off the show today with a bang by introducing you to another mover and shaker in agriculture, Tumisang Ben Matsoho, a Northwest farmer and proud owner of two farming businesses. Tumisang, welcome to Farmers Inside Track Podcast. Thank you a lot for offering me this opportunity. Now, Tumisang, we recently featured your amazing journey into the world of farming on Food for Mzanzi. But for those who have not read about you, who is Tumisang from the Northwest? Tumisang Ben Matsuho is a young farmer in Northwest. My business is focusing in cattle farming and I'm currently a student in Northwest University. I started with diploma in 2010. I'm now doing my PhD final year in animal sales. Many farmers have shared their stories here on the podcast about what sparked their journeys into the world of farming. But what motivated you to join Mzanzi's AgriWorld? The reason why I joined agriculture business in 2017 is that I've realized that many people are surviving through agriculture. Then I tried with a few cattle, with four cows, then I kept on aiding. Then I started the poultry business also. I heard about food from Zanzi from my university friends, Hepim Zanzi. Then we drafted my first story together. Then we sent it to food from Zanzi. And then of course, two successful agribusinesses later and you are still well on your way to reaching new heights. But what a lot of people don't know about you is that you've had it tough. It's not been easy for you. Mind sharing that with our listeners. Yeah, it was not easy at all because my parents were not working during that time my siblings which i have to take care of them so from my voice the one that i get from the university for for food i was sharing that with my family normally they were giving me 1500 sometimes 2000 for food then 50 percent i take it home then i remain with another 50 percent so it was not easy at all 
Then with time, I've realized that uh, I have to balance the two, the family and my study. So it was not easy at all. Tumisanga, I think the role of agricultural education can never be underestimated. And I quickly want to chat to you about your studies. You're currently doing your PhD degree in animal science. How has education benefited your agricultural career? And why not stop at a master's degree? I mean, is that not enough to be successful in farming? To me, to stop with the master's, it was not enough. Because I was having this fear that what will happen if I don't get a job after the master's? Well, I applied after my master's. I applied for PhD, then I applied for a job. I didn't get it. Then I realized that no, it's better to go back to school and continue with PhD. The money that I was getting for my postgrad, it helped me to start my business. Without it, I don't think this business would exist now. So I think it's better to link the two, education and the business. Everything that I gained from the university, I'm applying it to my business. The management of the animals, the nutrition of the animals, and the vaccination program of the animals. That knowledge, I got it from the university. Now, my business, I manage it simple because I know what I should do. So, the money that I use to start my business is from my research fund, the NRF. So, that money helped me a lot to start that. Now, Tumisang, you're on the Farmer's Inside Track podcast. We always ask our guests two quirky, fun questions. The yours today is, would you rather be raised by a pod of dolphins or a herd of elephants? Yes, the head of the elephant, because the elephants are dominant. They can't be attacked by lions, so they can take care of their offsprings. Then the second one is, would you rather hang from trees like a monkey or have sticky feet like a tree frog? Yeah, the monkeys, because the monkeys, when they search for the alternative food during the difficult times, you'll think they are playing, but at the end, they will have food for their young ones and they will have their food for their own. So normally when they search for the food, they will go all over, they will search for food all over. So when people see them, we think they are playing, but at the end, they are planning for the food. That was 30-year-old Northwest farmer Tumisang Ben Matsoho. Coming up shortly, the latest movements in the fresh produce markets. But first, our agripreneurship guru, Nike Grunewald, talks about the influence emerging technologies have had on the agricultural sector. I am joined again by Nico Grunewald. He is the head of agribusiness at Standard Bank. And he's been sharing very, very vital information to all of our farmers and people working in the business sector and agribusinesses that you need to know about. Last time we spoke, we spoke about business structure. And today we're talking a bit about technology. Nico, welcome back. And I'm really happy to have you with us again. How have you been? Hello, Don. Thank you. Going well. Thank you. Now, Nico, how would you say technology in the agricultural space has evolved over the years? I think in agriculture, technology has not stayed behind in terms of the broader development of technology. But I think the most important factor that one can see the role that technology has played in specifically in agriculture is in South Africa is in terms of its productivity. I think it was in 1936-37 in South Africa, we planted only about 8% 
less hectares of maize than what we plant currently. And at that stage, our average yield was just around one ton per hectare. In 2017-2018 production season, which was a good one, we ended up with an average yield of over five tons a hectare. And the underlying factor and growth driver there was technology. That gives you an indication of what technology has done over time, specifically in agriculture. There are three different layers where the technology plays a role, which I think we will unpack a bit later, but that is just an example of how technology has evolved, specifically in agriculture. Nico, what would you say are some of the emerging technologies in the agricultural sector? I know that you can probably see for days about new innovations within the sector. What are some of those emerging technologies that you can share with us? I I referred to earlier to these three different layers. I think the prominent part of where technology has evolved is on the input side of the value chain of agriculture. And there I specifically refer to what I've said in my previous example, for instance, the technology around seed cultivars, that's biotechnology. There's a significant role that technology plays on that level. And then obviously, when you go into the actual production of agriculture, Uh, One just has to look at the quality of the technology in terms of tractors, planting equipment, uh, all the machinery that is used uh, um, uh, around the production side of of agriculture, which has moved in a a third layer, uh, which is at the offtake side, in other words, where you sell your product. If you take, for instance, with the recent COVID pandemic that we were faced with, that technology actually at that level of that agricultural value chain fast-tracked, and I refer specifically as an example there, the way that farmers started to sell there. In the past, uh, we used live auctions, for instance, in the livestock industry uh, to sell. That was the common uh, way of how you sell your product. The uptake in terms of digital platforms to sell your product has taken on significant growth in that space. We've also seen that happening with other products in agriculture where different platforms are used to get buyers and sellers together. And then from a bank's perspective, we also look at technology on, for instance, renewable energy that also plays a role within agriculture. So there's a vast array of different areas where agriculture in, in, technology in agriculture is playing a role. And how imperative is the adoption of technology towards sustainable farming? You just mentioned renewable energy as well. How imperative is that? In the South African context, it is quite imperative. If you take that uh, South Africa is a semi-arid country, and I think we're in the top 30 driest countries in the world, add to that that only about 12% of the land that we have is arable. In other words, you do not have excess land in the South African context to improve the volume of production. And therefore, relying heavily on technology to improve what we do is critical. What advice can you give farmers in terms of really available technological tools to help them keep the cost of maintaining their farms down. What we've seen often is that there's always a risk. And again, I refer back to our previous discussions around the life cycle of your business. The risk is always there when you move into a specific part of that life cycle that you overcapitalize in terms, uh, even of in terms of technology, uh, so that you invest in technology that is not applicable to your business and does not necessarily optimize what you do. But because you had the drive to invest specifically in technology, you went ahead and did that, but it, it was not necessarily the most applicable technology for your circumstances. So I think it is very important that you, that you make sure that that technology will in fact improve your productivity and that it is not 
a nice to have type of tool that you acquire. That's the one part in this uh, which we often see and I think we as banks also struggle with is the integration of the different technologies. You might find technology at one layer or one level and then you go and you invest in a different type of technology somewhere else but these two technologies then struggle to integrate with each other and you end up being less productive than what you were prior to having these technologies. So those are the things I think one need to be mindful of when you look at technology. And then obviously the cost of technology is quite important and you need to make sure that it would give you an additional return on your money. That is Nico Grunewald, Head of Agribusiness at Standard Bank. Thank you so much for joining us once again and I'm looking forward to our next discussion. Is there anything else on this topic that you'd like to cover or final comments in closing? No, I just want to say, I think technology is here to stay. One needs to embrace it. One needs to make sure that you optimize and use the technology at your disposal. There are various, in the South African context, there are various areas and entry levels where you can go and acquire the necessary technology. Therefore, one needs to go and do your homework properly to make sure that it would benefit your specific farming environment. Thanks so much, Nick. It was great to chat to you once again and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks once again, Nico Hronewald. It's always great having you here on Farmers Inside Track. He is the head of agribusiness at Standard Bank. Wow, Mom, why did you put on this chicken? Well, I was trying a new recipe using grain-filled chickens. Oh, Mom, this is amazing. You can't go wrong with 100% South African farm-quality chicken. With a range of fresh, frozen and marinated products, make grain-filled chickens your number one choice. Grain-filled chickens from the farms of the Free State. Need we say more? If you want quality, ask for grain-filled chickens at a leading store. Grainfield Chickens. Bring home the taste. Visit grainfieldchickens.co.za From farm to fork right here on Farmers Inside Track, we now chat to Chef Tharwat Lont, who says chutney is his secret to a perfect home-cooked South African meal. But of course, you'll also be empowered with a top tip from our nutritionist, Andrea Duplessis. The perfect ingredient for me would have to be Mrs. Ball's chutney. It's an ingredient that I, I think you'll find in most South African homes. And it's, it's something that I've always used to finish off any like caper lake curry or a boberti dish. It's just without it, it just feels like there's something missing. That's the one ingredient that I think stands out as an uh, ingredient that you need. And it's not a secret, but it's the one that stands out as something that's required to finish off that those particular dishes in that style of cuisine. Hi, it's good to be back and to chat about food and nutrition and health again. So the topic today is flavor. We all love flavorful foods, but what do we add most often if we want to flavor our foods? Probably salt. And unfortunately, from a health perspective, that's not the best way to flavor our foods. Why is salt so bad for us? Unfortunately, salt is one of the items in our diet that could raise your blood pressure. And many people suffer with high blood pressure without even knowing about it. So by adding lots of salt to their diet, they are really risking their health because high blood pressure can lead to heart problems. So if we can't add salt to our foods, what do we do then? My answer to that as a nutritionist and a lover of food is adding actual flavor. And flavor, I mean in the form of spices. And one of my favorite spice containing flavors is chutney. So chutney basically is a combination of fruit and veggies and spices. Obviously, there's also a bit of sugar in there. So when I add chutney to my diet or to my foods, I would say, 
I always try and be mindful to add just a little bit. So spices are a definite way of adding actual flavor to your food. Think of adding black pepper into a dish that you're cooking or some paprika, coriander spice or cumin. Now that is adding real flavor. Where adding salt is actually just bringing out the natural flavors of the food. That's a nice way of cutting down on salt in your diet is by using spicy ingredients like chutney. Thanks for joining us, Chef Tharawat and Andrea. For more great Proudly South African recipes and of course even more daily inspirational stories, about the farmers and agriculturalists who go above and beyond to feed South Africa, visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at foodformzanzi and use the hashtag FarmersInsideTrack. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food Form Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. On to our book of the week. And for all these reasons, I'm in Essential Advice for Entrepreneurs, a book by the original cast of Shark Tank South Africa judges Gil Ovid, Lebo Gungaluza, Polo Leteka, Vinny Lingham and Vusi Tembekwayo. Three biggest mistakes. Number one, and this is going to sound philosophical, but it's true. I personally didn't dream big enough. And that's a mistake. Because if you limit your dreaming and you limit what you think you can do, you limit how you pursue it. You place a ceiling on yourself that's not necessary. So in the early days, that was a big one, is we dreamt purely for our own little small space. By the way, let me just take a moment. This is a huge issue for black entrepreneurs in this country. In the main, they think get a tender from government or get a taxi or get a spaza shop. We're not thinking build a Facebook, but it's a business. So why can't you think global? This limited dreaming thing is a huge thing. So that would be my first mistake. The second mistake was taking too long to make decisions that were difficult. In the early days, I used to think that the more time you take in making a decision, the better the decision. Not so. The quality of the decision doesn't get better because you took more time. It really just doesn't. It's about whether or not you have enough evidence to make a decision. The better the evidence, the better the decision. But time doesn't indicate the quality of that decision. So I had to unlearn this terrible habit I'd learned of saying, let me think about it. Let me think about it. it's not good enough. Make the call now because time is the most expensive asset you've got in a business. It's the single thing you cannot manufacture, you cannot resell, you can't claim it back from SARS. Once it's gone, it's gone. And then the third mistake would be selecting a poor group of people and people who didn't see the vision I saw. And that again limits your business, but it also limits your ability of your business to build because you've selected people who are poor, poor in skills, poor in a belief system, poor in their attitude, and that's really important stuff. Selecting people who will go with you on the journey. The power of Martin Luther King wasn't that he said, I have a dream. It was that he had 40,000 people in front of him who saw the dream he had. And if you don't have that as an entrepreneur, you're not going to get there. Sounds like a must read for any entrepreneur. Remember to email your book suggestions to info at foodformzanzi.co.za 
That's info at foodformzanzi.co.za. And from our book of the week to this week's AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Markets, here's Dr. Johnny van der Merwe, Agricultural Economist at the Northwest University. Thank you very much, Dawn and Duncan. As mentioned, I'm Dr. Johnny van der Merwe, and this is your weekly AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Markets, made possible by Standard Bank. To stay up to date with the latest prices and news, subscribe to the AMT YouTube as well as Facebook pages. Also make sure to check out our weekly grain and livestock overviews for more information. With that said, let's see what happened to the latest vegetable prices the past week. The potato market is currently experiencing near record highs with volumes that are on the market at 22% lower while prices are 117% higher compared to a year ago. The latest potato price traded on 85 rand 73 per 10 kilogram back. We are however seeing more low quality potatoes entering the market at the moment with producers that want to take advantage of these high prices and will therefore uh, push these prices significantly downwards this week. Weaker demand is also playing a crucial role in these lower prices. The tomato price increased to 11 rand 81 with volumes decreasing by 16% week on week. The warmer weather will most likely result in higher volumes over the next two weeks or so, putting pressure on tomato prices in general. The carrot price decreased by 11% to 3 rand 62 per kilogram last week. We're expecting lower demand this week uh, to result in prices to continue trending downwards. The onion price increased to 4.49 last week with some production regions finishing up. We are expecting the Northern Cape uh, to start the season within the next uh, two weeks, but prices uh, in the meantime to remain stable. Next week, uh, prices may trend downward as soon as these volumes start entering into the market. Other vegetable prices traded as follows. Cabbages stable on 2.44. Garlic on 40 rand 38, spinach price is decreasing further to 1 rand 49, while the sweet potato price remains on a very high 10 rand 92 per kilogram. Pepper prices also decreased a bit to 15 rand 50 per kilogram. When looking into the fruit industry, volumes in general were also lower, resulting in most prices to trend upwards the past week. The banana price increased by 9% to 9.77, with prices likely to remain high because of the local season that is about 4 weeks or so late this production season. The warmer weather can result in higher volumes very soon. The latest apple and pear prices continue to trend upwards, with apples trading on 7.35 and the latest pear price increasing to 8.51 last week. The orange price continued to increase by 9% to 5 rand 47 with high retail prices, lower volumes and higher demand so still supporting these prices. The avocado price increased by a massive 49% week on week to 22 rand 95 with volume scarce and quality very good on the markets. Expect these prices to remain upward especially with very good demand. The table grape price decreased by 12% to 39.97 per kilogram last week. The mix of varieties is limited on the markets currently, resulting in this price to trade 51% lower compared to a year ago. The local production season is also approximately 10 days late, with volumes likely to only increase in week 45 to 46. 
the pineapple price traded 2% higher on 10 rand 73 while the lemon price decreased by 4% to 5 rand 82 per kilogram last week. Check out our weekly grain and livestock overviews which is also available on our Facebook and YouTube channels. Also make sure to stay tuned to Food from Nzanzi for the latest in agriculture. This broadcast was of course made possible by Standard Bank. Thanks Dr. Johnny van der Merwe. Dawn, that's a wrap for this week. Remember, if you love this podcast, share it with your friends, your family members and fellow farmers. The Farmers Inside Track podcast is available for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Please, please stay safe out there. And remember to always wear a mask. Also visit Food for Mzanzi's COVID-19 support page for the latest updates and information. From me, Dawn Numdu, Duncan Masiwa and the rest of the Food for Mzanzi team, have a great week. Until next time, bye-bye. You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food for Mzanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.